Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 5, Episode 7, Avoiding Melodrama. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we are so stupid! (laughs) I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm very sad. (laughs) Okay, Avoiding Melodrama. Um, We wanted to do an anti-emo podcast (laughs) where we talked about um, one of the big complaints about writing sometimes or about stories is this this ubiquitous term melodrama it's too melodramatic um so let's go ahead and attack that first when people are saying it's too melodramatic what are they meaning um well you know what brandon when as we were talking about this earlier dare i give away the fact that sometimes we talk about these earlier you gave us the classical definition of melodrama. not not very often but we sometimes (laughs) talk about them earlier are you stealing my line well, you no. pitched the question. We pitched the question, but I think we need to go back to the classical okay, definition. Okay, classical of definition of melodrama is um, a story in which each character only fills one role, only has one emotion, one thing that they're doing. That's what a melodrama really. Mm-hmm. The, the classical this, this definition. This is where you is. get the the mustache twirling, snidely whiplash. The Dudley Do Right hero, the damsel in right. distress tied to a railroad track. Right, and that's that's. I mean, it's become more and more exaggerated. Where mm-hmm. the melodramatic form is now self-aware, and so they make fun of the melodrama during the melodrama. But you know, if you just boil it down to the definition, everyone only has one emotion, one 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 thing they do. This person is noble, and they are noble in every situation, and that is just it. Right, and so in addressing the in trying to avoid melodramatic, right. what we have to recognize is that we're usually not talking about the classical definition of melodrama. Yeah. We're usually talking about one of the side effects. And one of the side effects is that if the character can only express anguish or sadness, then the the variability of emotion in that character is really just sad on a scale of 1 to 10. Right, right. And mm-hmm. if they become Eeyore. Right? Exactly. Um, you know, how sad is Eeyore today? Well, Eeyore's pretty sad. And well, then that's your character. And, and I think one of the big problems with that is not, I mean, like, like you said, this character is noble and they always are noble. But mm-hmm. I think where it really becomes a problem is this character is noble because he is noble. Right. And not because he has any good reasons. Okay, that's, that's an excellent example. I mean, there are characters that I have loved in fiction who can be dominated by one emotion. I mean, Javert, or one, mm-hmm. one paradigm. Javert from um, Les Mis, who I think is actually a very nice, complex character, despite the fact that he usually exhibits you know, one trait is associated with, it, with him. What, what keeps Javert from being 
melodramatic in that case. Um, well, he's got, you know, he's a policeman. Um, and you can look at the very various actions of what a policeman, why he would be like he is, and I think that the book does. It considers mm -hmm. all of these things. It shows who he is and why he is the way he is. Um, and one of, the, one of the great things about that also, uh, tacking this from another direction, the thing that makes it not melodramatic is the story is, in a way, undermining that, meaning it's proving that you cannot be that. The story mm -hmm. is okay. working on forcing this character to acknowledge their fault. The other thing that I would I would come back to, and you know, I, I talked about uh, talked about melodrama as if it's a volume knob. Right. Um, if you want to show contrast for a character, you don't just show loud and soft of the same thing. Right. You show two different things. You contrast you contrast sad against angry, or sad against in love. Right. And uh, or you know, sad against happy, which we often feel are you know like part of the same scale. But you start contrasting those emotions so that the character uh, we have we have benchmarks against which we can judge what they're feeling. And that way, right. when they're over the top on one, uh, it doesn't seem as melodramatic because right. we've got we've got the sense that they're a real person. Well, and the the other problem with this is, you know, we don't want to go too far on the other in the other direction, meaning the character is not identifiable and does not act consistently in character. We do want characters to act consistently in character. Um, and so we don't, we don't want to react too much against this. It's sometimes yeah. nice to be able to, de to define who a character is in a couple of sentences. You just don't want that to be all that they are. That's what right. you, you say, you know, you describe the character, if you've only got a sentence, you describe them this way. When you've got a paragraph, you can fill that paragraph with who they are. When you've got a novel, you can fill that novel with who they are, and it takes that long to show you who they are. That's what, I guess it just comes down to the depth. Now, now let me give a counterexample to this. Uh, the character of Puddleglop, I, I'm pretty sure I'm remembering that name, from uh, The Silver Chair by C.S. Lewis. It's the fifth of the Narnia books. He is a wonderful character, and, and a lot of people think he's one of their favorite characters. And he is very one-sided. He's always sad, but he's just very charmingly sad. Mm -hmm. And so it's not so much that he has depth of character, but that he's very well-written and you like him. And right. I think that can work in the Narnia books because they're very simpler stories. Something like that wouldn't necessarily work right. in Lady. Well, and is he a main character? He is. He is a the guy who tags along with the two okay. main characters. Okay. He's essentially comic relief, mm -hmm. but he's sad relief, I guess. He's <laughs> depressive relief. Well, he's, he's having, it done, having it done as comic relief, mm -hmm. uh, we look at uh, Marvin the Paranoid Android in mm -hmm. Hitchhiker's mm -hmm. Guide to the Galaxy. To me, yeah. Hitchhiker's is a bad example because I think in some ways he is writing melodrama intentionally. Exactly. Uh -huh. and, and that's why, I'm, that's why okay. I'm offering it up as an example, mm -hmm. is we look at that and we can see, oh, I, if I'm writing something serious, right. uh, I, I can't use a character in this way because it's too melodramatic. I'm sorry. Ooh, you brought it back full circle. Wow. <laughs> so, I guess what, what I'm getting at is give your make your characters real people. I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, and sometimes mm -hmm. we have to attack these same concepts from a lot of different directions to kind of um, yeah. have, you know, well, have something to discuss. That, that's a great thing. I mean, we, we don't have to feel bad about saying the same thing over and over, because for writers, that's fantastic. If the same thing can answer 29 of your questions, wonderful. Then that's a good principle that they need to learn. Make sure your characters are really well-rounded. That's why the word characters in our tag cloud is like in 40-foot <laughs> tall letters uh, because it keeps, it keeps coming back to that. Okay, let's go ahead and do our book of the week.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, this week? Yes, this yes. week uh, I'm going to talk about F. Paul Wilson and the Repairman Jack series. And this is a... Uh, He's a character that I think does a really good job at avoiding melodrama. Uh, he's, he's a very conflicted character, kind of borderline sociopathic, um, lives off the grid, writing wrongs for, you know, whatever, up against a lot of supernatural menaces. The, the book I'm going to recommend specifically is the first in his series. It's called The Tomb. It is up on Audible, and it's really good. Um, if, you've no, if you've never read F. Paul Wilson, fantastic urban fantasy horror with a really compelling main character. Um, that's audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to uh, start your 15-day free trial. All right, so let's take the other direction on melodrama. We, we, we talked about the classical definition, but a lot of people, when they say, oh, this, is, this show is melodramatic, they're actually not talking about that definition. What they really mean is it's too sappy. There's too much mm-hmm. emotion. It's Either, overwrought. It's overwrought. Um, so... When people are saying that, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with not making our character our, our stories like this? Um, I was going to say, by the time they've said that, yeah. uh, you screwed up. We, we, need to get, yeah. we need to get ahead of the curve and write it. You know, what are the what are the tricks to writing strong, you know, deeply felt, powerfully expressed emotions without coming across melodramatic? Right. How do we do that? That's a I'm going to say. I'm going to say. Uh, avoid like the plague cliched dialogue okay if it mm-hmm. feels like something that you've heard on a soap opera or in an action movie or whatever when somebody was feeling this particular emotion don't use it okay find another way to say it um, or just if you if you're really good at this twist it in the right way the classic example you know um, the I, I love you scene in Return of the Jedi right I love you replied to with I know I know um, which yeah, is that Empire? That's Empire, oh, it is, Strikes, it is. Empire Strikes Back. Right. I, I I keep always thinking that scene's the scene where they're like kneeling by the um by the power well, generator. No, it it gets repeated again in Return oh, of the Jedi it? though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah, Jordo and just saved the... us from like fifty thousand emails. <laughs> um, Thank but... you, producer Jordo. And a counter example. Um. We. Uh, 
Shatner often gets accused of melodrama. Right. Uh, the moment it, we we've all seen it uh, in uh, Wrath of Khan, where he's got both fists in right. the air, Khan, and that's actually a really cool moment in that mm-hmm. movie. When Lucas did it with the brand new Darth Vader at yeah. the end of. Revenge yeah. of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith, where he puts both his fists in the air and goes, ah, and, yeah. oh. That, it was painful. It was really um, painful, now, and it was I, cliched. I think I can, I can talk a little bit about why this is. Um, I've, I've actually thought about this a lot. And personally, my take on it is, if you are in the moment, if the scene is captivating and you are there, something that might otherwise come across as, as melodramatic instead comes across as a powerful scene of great emotion. We take the, this, the Kirk scene, if you just see that one little clip of him yelling, which people like to post all over yeah. the internet, it <laughs> seems you know cheesy yeah. as all get out. If you are watching the show and you care about the characters and you are into this moment when he screams that, you feel like you're screaming it too. And that's a very big distinction. And so if people are calling your scenes melodramatic, um, maybe this problem is not that emotional scene. Maybe it's several chapters back when you have not brought them into the, the story you well enough. You haven't wound yeah. up to that point right. directly yet. Yeah, the, uh, my books, John Cleaver is the most cliched angst-ridden teen, you know? Um, that stereotype of the angsty teen who who has the inner demons and feels so horrible and doesn't know, but from the from the very beginning, I everything I've done in those three books is try to get you to like him, and mm-hmm. once you like him, like you say, that l- makes you much more accepting of all the other things he does because you're pulling for him and you like him and you're with him there. Okay, so that's three tips: avoid the cliche. Make sure you're setting it up right and make the character likable. Yeah, but let's, let's look at this. Um, one other aspect of this that we can look at is the fact that we, we're always talking about give everybody conflict. Give everyone conflict. Make sure we've got lots of conflict. And I have read stories that are actually well written where at the end I'm just like, you know, there's just too much angstiness going around. And each of it's well written, but I end up just at the end of it saying, eh, you know, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, my advice might be there, and this is something I try to do. I really try to break up my, my novels so that there is, in between the angst, there is humor, or there yeah. is action, or there is motion, or there, is, there are ups and there are downs. Well, I, I got a great example for that. Uh, the first season of the TV show Heroes, mm-hmm. in, in its later seasons, it got very mired in melodrama. The first season was actually very good, and all of the characters were angsty, Except for the one guy named Hiro, the Japanese guy, yeah. who was always happy, he was always excited, and you just liked him. And it was this great palate cleanser to go from these other stories, which were still very good, but very dark, and then have this big, peppy, cheerful guy in the middle. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's a great reason why you can't always be at a 10 all the time. In fact, I, I feel I had a problem with this in my books. Uh, we've talked about the Brandon Avalanche, and I've talked about how I, I actually am actively trying to not do the Brandon Avalanche, Avalanche as much. The Brandon Avalanche is pretty my early books. The Launchers has a really big one. Um, all of the plot threads come together at the end for a super huge bang, um, which really sounds great on paper. But as you're reading the story, if you're at, in climax, of the story for 150 pages out of a 600-page book, that those climaxes just start to 
They, they lose power they because lose their power. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's, not enough, there's not enough contrast. Right. There's not enough and contrast between upper, other things. It's, again, it's the, the change between loud and soft and, and other sorts of... Yeah. Well, and, and I think a, a good you know, example of where you've done that very well is the third Mistborn book, which started paying off series-long yeah. conflicts and plot threads almost from the beginning and so there were they were spread out very evenly and yet they still built built toward a a thundering climax and that worked very well yeah that was the first book i actually actively said okay i can't do this the same yeah. way because um otherwise the book is always going to be at a 10 if the entire book's at a 10 the entire book might as well be at a one because mm -hmm. it, it's it as yeah. i was outlining the uh uh the climactic sequence of the current schlock mercenary story um there were a lot of things that I wanted to pull in. And then as I sat down and started scripting, you know, punchlines flow from conflict really, really handily. Mm -hmm. And I realized that at this point in the story, I needed to stop doing that. If I was going to make a punchline out of a conflict, I absolutely could not introduce a new conflict because we're too late in the story for that. Even a small interpersonal conflict at the end of the story or it, and, you know, last last 20 percent of the story is probably too much when everything else is going on. And so I consciously dialed it back. And, you know, as I looked at it, I, I realized, okay, these two characters actually have a good reason to maybe be in conflict right now. And I need to give that a wash because the story's not going to read well if I put that in there. Uh, and that's fine. I'll say they, they can have that fight later. They can have that fight in another book. I'm going right. to come back to these people. Right. So. All right. Let's go ahead and do a writing prompt. Um, I'll go ahead and do it this week and say, I want you to write a story in which you take a cliched, angsty hero of some sort of genre, whatever you're doing, give him, make him very angsty, and I want you to take a completely new direction for that so that by the end of the story, it doesn't feel cliched at all anymore. All right, you're out of excuses, now go write. And now a dramatic reading from Excuses Peace Theater. I have coated my left hand with magical ink, and I'm terrified. Oh, you might think that I'd be happy with the magic that the ink has granted me, but there are two problems with that line of thought. Firstly, this ink is usually applied in sparse quantities and in complicated runic patterns, not in one large splosh. Secondly, it's horribly expensive, and my master is going to kill me for spilling the whole jar of it. No, really. She's going to kill me. Literally. Dead. Her last apprentice was killed for handing her a wrong ingredient. At least his death was swift. Mine will be painful and slow. I suppose I could use the magic from the ink to save me, but that presents another problem. I'm not left-handed. This writing has been uh, brought to you by Mike O as a uh, outgrowth of our writing prompt three weeks ago. Thank you very Thank much, you, Mike. Mike. Thank you, Mike. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.